Good morning. Welcome to church. Sorry, I'm a little tangled up here. I'm so sorry. We're so glad to have you. I'm going to read this call to worship. I think I might have a different translation than you guys have. I apologize. Okay, I'm going to read it from here. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of his faithful people. Amen. We're going to just praise the Lord this morning. Leave everything else outside that we brought in. I had a crazy morning. I spilled smoothie all over myself as I was walking <laughs> out the door. So sometimes it's just really crazy getting here. But once we're here, we can just lay all that aside and just be present to worship God and to sing his praises. Amen. He's worthy for our attention just for these few minutes. So let's do that this morning. Amen. Amen.
seated as we go into a time of prayer this morning. just want to encourage you to get comfortable. Make yourself comfortable to come before the Lord in prayer and 
If that's just remaining seated in your seat this morning, then that's great. But if that's kneeling down at your seat or coming forward, then I certainly want to invite you to do whatever you feel is appropriate for you this morning. I love that song, uh, The Father's House, and I particularly love the part where it says, check your shame at the door, because it ain't welcome anymore. And I don't know about you, but I've, I have felt shame, right? I, I, I struggled with that a little bit this week, honestly. And so I just appreciate the invitation and the reminder that that shame is not welcome here. Because the love and grace of God wants to meet us here, and God wants to remind us of who we are, right? And so I just pray this morning that you would be able to lay that shame aside, whatever it is that you're experiencing this morning, fear, frustration. I just pray that you would come before the Lord and just let him speak a new thing over you this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning, and we feel grateful, God, for your love. And God, while we experience things in life that do cause us to feel shame, God, we feel the weight of our sin. Lord, we feel the pressures to be perfect, and to have it all together. But God, I appreciate also the reminder from that song is that you aren't looking for perfection in us, but you want our heart. You want our heart, Lord. And when we talk about things like Christian perfection, Lord, what we mean by that is giving you our whole heart. So that you, God, through your Holy Spirit can come in and cleanse us and give us a new heart. One that looks like yours, God. A heart that has been open to receiving your love and your mercy and grace and forgiveness. So God, I just pray that whatever it is we brought in here with us this morning, God, I just pray that we would be able to leave that if we, if we didn't leave it at the door, if we brought it into our seats, God, I pray that we would just lay that before you this morning. And God, I just pray that you would move in closely and speak a new word over us this morning. God, I pray this morning that you would draw near to those who are struggling God, I know that there are many in our congregation that are dealing with various things. God, there's a lot of sickness. There's a lot of disease. Lord, I am, I'm sure there are mental struggles, mental battles that are being fought this morning that no one can even see. God, I'm sure that there are financial burdens and financial stress God, I am sure that there are conflicts going on in, in our lives in this place. Whatever it might be, Lord, 
I pray that you would draw near to us this morning. God, your word says that when we draw near to you, we talked about this last week, when we draw near to you, Lord, you are faithful and you will draw near to us. So God, I just ask that you would draw near to us this morning. Be our comforter. God, I pray that as we open up your word this morning, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us. God, I pray that you would open up our hearts to receive your word. Lord, I pray that as we, as we process these things from the book of James, God, would you give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see and give us a heart that would be open to what it is that you want to speak to us today. God, we love you. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness that always meets us here. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. Well, we are continuing on in our series in the book of James. Um, next week's going to be our last week in the book of James. So we're coming here to the end. Um, and just when you think that it might get a little lighter, a little easier to digest, it just doesn't. <laughs> it just meets you in a new way, a new challenging way. Um, and this week was no exception. This week, as I was preparing, I just felt, and I shared this on Facebook, and by the way, it's like going to be a new thing now where I put an all call out on Facebook for people to pray for my sermon on Sundays, because you get a lot of prayers, and I'm just like, this, this is amazing. My, my sermon is well prayed over, so glory to God. Uh, but I, I just felt the heaviness of it, and the the fact that this message doesn't feel very like it's not in a pretty package with a bow, you know? It just kind of leaves you feeling a little bit like, okay, this is the reality, and it's not always easy. So come, Lord Jesus, and meet us in this tension of this message today. But we are going to be in James chapter 5 this morning. If you want to open up your Bibles or open up your Bible app on your phone, of course, it'll always be on the screen for you as well. But just to give you a quick recap, last week we were in James chapter 4, and we talked about how we, even Christians, certainly people in the world and of the world struggle with this, but we talked about how even we as Christians wrestle with what it means to live with one foot in God's kingdom, seeking God's righteousness and God's ways, but also maybe still kind of living with our other foot in the world and, and rooted in the world's ways and doing things the way that the world does them. And we talked about how if this is the case for us, if we're kind of divided in that, then we are going to continually feel like something is missing. We talked about how it's easy to name what the world is missing. It's easy to kind of point and look and declare, oh, the world's missing Jesus. You're just missing Jesus. But really, Christians can feel this way as well. We too can feel like something is missing if we are holding back and refraining from giving our whole heart to God and drawing completely near to him, resisting the world, resisting the world's ways and drawing near to God in his ways, giving him our whole heart, giving him all of ourselves 
so that he can come in and fill all those holes that we have. Amen? Because he does that, right? God does that. Last week, we also talked about kind of this uh, wrestling with how we are on pursuit of, of, we are in pursuit of wealth, health, and happiness, and we really want that from this life. But the reality is, is that we're not always going to get that. And I kind of shared with you last week that I don't feel convinced that that's always what God wants for us. And you have to kind of wrestle through that and process through that. And, and what I don't mean is that God is actively working against your wealth and your health and your happiness and your contentment and your joy. We know that God wants to give us a full and abundant life. But sometimes that looks like doing without the world's things and the things that are important to the world and drawing closer to God and just receiving more of him. And that's what we're going to unpack a little bit today. Because if you haven't figured it out by now, we experience a lot of pain and suffering in this world, right? Not a single person in this room is a stranger to pain and suffering nor are we guaranteed a life that is free from pain and suffering. We wrestle with the hard reality that this life is full of, of pain and suffering. And so on that cheery note, I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we read James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11. Let's see what James has to say about this, starting in verse 7. This is the word of the Lord. He says, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance, and you've seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I'm going to go ahead and, and just, just so you're not anticipating something that's not going to come and, and so you're not let down, I'm going to go ahead and give you kind of the ending of the sermon today at the beginning. And that is, is simply that things are going to feel like they are not completely resolved by the end of this message today. If you walk away feeling like, I don't feel like that was tied up very well. Like I said, it's not going to be in a pretty package with a bow. If you walk away feeling like I'm still in the tension of some kind, I, I want you to know that that's the point of it today. The point of it today is not that there's not joy or, or goodness of God to be found. There is good news today, okay? So, spoiler alert, there is going to be good news, but you're also going to walk away possibly just feeling the weight of the tension that we're going to talk about this morning. And let me explain what I mean. I was thinking this week, you know, we're doing preparation for Christmas. We are in uh, full planning mode for looking at what the season of Advent's going to look like. And, and so I was thinking about Advent this week because we are a few weeks away from the first week of Advent. And, and the season of Advent is centered around waiting, 
right? There's this waiting that takes place as we really lean into to the season of Advent. And the, the season of Advent, that word Advent means arrival. And so during Christmas, during the season of Advent, we celebrate the arrival of Jesus. We celebrate that Jesus has come, but we also live in the tension. We talk about this a lot. We, we live in this tension where we are still waiting. There's that waiting on his second arrival, his coming again to make all things new and to make all things right. And the reason that I say that things are going to remain unresolved today is because sometimes I think it's just appropriate to understand that we are sitting in the reality of the already and the not yet. Do you know what I mean when I say that? The already and the not yet, Jesus has come. The good news has come. The word of God did become flesh and made his dwelling among us. Jesus lived his life for us. He, he gave his life for us. Through him, there is salvation. Through him, there is, is forgiveness and mercy and love and grace to, to help us live a life that is full and abundant. But we still live in the tension of the not yet that he is still coming again to make all things new. And sometimes I think that we rush past that, we want to rush past that, and we don't really take a moment to just feel those feelings and think about those things. And some days, I wonder if some of you can relate to this, some days you don't think too much about the already and the not yet. Some days you're just rocking and rolling and having a great day, and you're not thinking about that too much, right? But then there are some days where that feels particularly heavy. The waiting, the tension, the not yet. There are days where that feels particularly heavy. Whether that's because of things that are going on in the world, things and, and circumstances that are going on in the world around us make us feel that heaviness. Things like poverty, starvation, global pandemics, the rise and fall of governments, Wars, persecution, just to name a few. Maybe it's things like that that are making us feel the weight of this not yet, but also it could be things that are going on in our personal lives, things that others don't see and that others might not be experiencing, but it's very real in my life, right? Maybe for some of you it's things like those mental struggles that you deal with, those mental battles that you fight and as you face, the physical infirmities, the sickness, the disease, the relationship issues, or the relationship dysfunctions that are very real in your life. Maybe, as, as I said in the prayer, there's some that are, are feeling the weight of financial turmoil or stress. These are hard times for a lot of people. Maybe for some of you, it's anticipating the holidays, because here we are talking about the reality that the holidays are right around the corner, and for some of us, that's exciting, we're excited, and, and people are already putting their Christmas stuff up. People are excited. We're ready to go. I'm a wait-till-after-Thanksgiving kind of gal myself. Maybe that'll change as I get older, but I still wait till after Thanksgiving. That's just me. But there are some, and I want to kind of normalize this a little bit, that there are some who are dreading Christmas, who are dreading holidays that are oriented around families getting together and celebrating because there are some people who don't have that to look forward to for whatever reason. So can we just acknowledge that for some, this is a really hard time of year because it's not all happy and merry. 
and joyful. Maybe there are some who are feeling the weight of the not yet because things in your life just aren't going as you planned. Life has thrown you a curveball and you don't really know how to handle it. You had your life all planned out, all mapped out, and now something big is disrupting that. And you're unsure where things are going to go. The, the reality is, we are all very familiar with pain and suffering and the tension of waiting on the not yet. And James talks about this in the passage that we just read. James addresses both the waiting and the suffering that we face. Let's kind of relook at some of these words. He says, be patient then. I just want to acknowledge the then because he's, he's attaching that to something he's already said that we didn't read today. At the beginning of chapter five, he talks about the, the rich oppressing the poor. And I just wanted to touch on that because we talked about that several weeks ago. Remember, we talked about how, how justice and redemption is coming for those who are oppressed by the rich. And there's that warning there for the rich that are, that are getting wealthier and wealthier at the expense of the poor and the oppressed, those who can't do anything about their situation. And so James is reminding them, be patient. God is going to make things right for you. There's going to be punishment for your oppressors and redemption and liberation for you who are being oppressed. So we have to acknowledge the context there what James is talking about. But, but what about that one teeny tiny little word that just stood out to me like a sore thumb this week, that word patient? Be patient then, brothers and sisters. I'm gonna get real vulnerable with you for a moment and just tell you that I wrestle with being patient. Anybody with me? I'm not a, a very patient person by nature, I'm not. I wrestle with it, whether it's like growing irritable, standing in a long line at the store when I just have to get on with my day, or when it's waiting on big life changes or sitting in the middle of an unknown and I'm just waiting for, for some clarity. I'm not all that patient, and it's hard for me to wait sometimes. And, and it's difficult for us to wait, right? Hopefully I'm not alone in that. We grow increasingly irritated when we wait. Have you ever noticed that about yourself? That when you're waiting, whether it's in a line, you grow increasingly irritated with the people in front of you that are just moving at a snail's pace? Or whether it's, it's when you're growing irritated with others. Have you ever noticed that when you're, when you're feeling frustrated and you're ready for something to happen, you find yourself getting snippy with others? And James kind of talks about that. He's like, hey, don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that even though it's tempting. But I wonder if there's anyone in here that can, can acknowledge with me that sometimes we grow a little bit irritated waiting on a God who seems to be unhurried. Am I alone in that? <laughs> Could I interest you in an amen? <laughs> because I don't want to feel alone in that. That sometimes I'm feeling irritated that God does not seem to be on the same timetable as, as myself. And that's frustrating. And so James talks about being patient, and he compares waiting and being patient to the farmer, right? And, and how the farmer has to patiently wait for his crops to yield a harvest. Now, uh, this might be a surprise to you, but I'm not a farmer. <laughs> I'm not a farmer, and I, I don't have any clue what I'm talking about when it comes to farming. But I, I can understand and appreciate that there's a lot of work that goes into farming. I can understand and appreciate, even if I don't know exactly what that's like and I haven't really 
dealt with that before, I can appreciate there's a lot of work in preparing, preparing the soil and preparing for your crops. And and there's a lot of planting. There's a lot of hard work, physical labor that goes into it. And there's a lot of waiting. I I wouldn't be a good gardener or farmer because I don't like waiting. (laughs) I I don't want to wait on watching things grow when it takes forever. And so there's a lot of waiting. There's a lot of patience that has to happen when a farmer is waiting for his crops to yield a harvest. And I think about how in James's day, I think about how there wasn't a lot in terms of backup plans if the rains didn't come because, you know, there's this waiting implied for the rains and the seasonal rain. So like in the spring and in the autumn, as James says, you got to wait on two different times for the rains to come. But what if they don't come? Uh, People experience droughts, right? And so what happens when the rain doesn't come? I couldn't help but think about how in James' time, there wasn't a lot in terms of backup plans, not a lot of technology that's going to help them. I'm not an expert, but I just have to imagine we've, we've grown a little bit in that way, so we've come a long ways. There's not really a lot you can do. And so I kind of chuckled a little bit because I was thinking, what would we do today in 21st century America? What would we do if we have planted all of these things and we're waiting on this big bountiful harvest, but what if the rains don't come? What are we going to do? Well, most of us We'll just say, well, that's really disappointing and that's really frustrating, but I guess I'm going to go to the store now and buy all of the things that I wasn't able to get from my garden or my, from my farm, right? We would just go to the store. And, and I, that made me laugh a little bit because all of this got me to thinking. And I was wondering this week, have we lost the art of waiting? In our not having to wait on many things, Have we lost the art of waiting? What do we really wait on? In in terms of everyday life and conveniences, what exactly do we even wait on anymore? Because I don't know if you know it, but but it's pretty much instant everything nowadays, right? Instacart, you can have your groceries delivered to you like that. Fast food, you don't have to wait very long. And even if you're not out grabbing some fast food, you can just throw something in the microwave at home and have it ready in a few minutes. You don't even have to wait. We have instant information at our fingertips. You don't have to wait to find out something. You can get that information instantly. As soon as it's available, it's available to you. We have one-day shipping options and sometimes like two-hour express delivery shipping options. And so we really don't have to wait on anything. There's not much that we can't have instantly in our day-to-day lives. And I wonder if it's because of this, if we have forgotten, or maybe for some of us, we haven't even had the opportunity to wait and recognize that serious formation happens in a season of waiting. I wonder if when it comes to things like spiritual formation, When you're thinking about yourself being formed spiritually to to look like God and to have a heart that reflects God's heart, I wonder if we even have the ability to be properly spiritually formed because we expect spiritual formation to happen like everything else instantly, right? Instantly. Starting with your microwave devotions in the morning. Do you know what I mean by that when I say microwave devotions? Can you, you know where I'm going with that? Pull up, it, pull up your devotion on the Bible app. I've got it read and delivered and processed in like three minutes, five if I'm feeling a little generous. And then I go on my day. 
And I might not pause throughout my day because I'm so busy and there's so many things to do and I'm getting everything instantly and I'm so productive that I might not think about spiritual realities again until the next morning when it's time for my next microwave devotion. And I just wonder if we've lost the art of waiting, if we've perhaps forgotten how to wait because I don't, I don't know if you know this or not, but spiritual formation, the shaping The forming to look like God, that doesn't happen instantly. There is no instant spiritual formation. I'm not saying God can't move in a moment. I'm not saying God can't move instantly. But spiritual formation, that doesn't happen instantly. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens over a period of time. And guess what? Oftentimes it happens in the waiting, in the season of waiting, But I wonder if we've lost the art of waiting on the Lord because we expect everything instantly. Are you with me? Does any of this sound familiar to you? (laughs) Does any of this make sense? I was reading this week one of my favorite books from from when I was in school. Um, It's a book on spiritual formation. And the author, her name's Adele Alberg Calhoun, and she says this. She says, learning to wait with Jesus is part of becoming godlike. God values what can happen in the long, slow, and hard of waiting. People who know God learn to wait. We don't like that. (laughs) We don't like that, do we? But she goes on to give some examples of of people in Scripture who had to wait on God. Let Let me remind you. Abraham and Sarah had to wait a painfully long time for God's promise and timing, right? David had to wait a long time to become king. Habakkuk waits for God to come to his rescue. Israel has to wait for the Messiah. Mary has to wait to find out if Joseph is going to marry her or leave her. People like Anna, Simeon, John the Baptist, Jesus, people in the upper room, they all had to wait on God And then James has his own examples, doesn't he, that we just read a few moments ago? He has his own examples that he points to. Those who had to wait on the Lord, but they had to do so in the midst of of suffering and persecution, even like some of those we mentioned. James says, brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance, and you have seen what the Lord finally brought about. And I just thought, really, James? Job? You're going to mention Job? <laughs> because it's, it's so hard to imagine all that Job went through, right? And it's so hard to, to pause and think about the amount of suffering that Job had to endure. And by the way, Scripture tells us that Job was a godly man, Job was righteous, and he was undeserving of the suffering that he endured. It wasn't punishment from God, it wasn't God-ordained or God-led, but Job lost everything, everything. Job lost everything. The only thing he had at the end of, of this devastation was his life, and I think at that point he was like, you can just go ahead and take that too. Right? And while I would, I like to say that Job didn't always wait so patiently, which I, as you know, I'm not patient, so I kind of appreciate that because there's moments where Job is honest and real with God. That's why I am okay with being honest and real. 
because people like Job were honest and real in the sight of God. But he did wait, and he did persevere, and he never lost faith in God. In fact, I love Job 19.25 when Job declares, and I believe he had to have declared this with everything in him, because when you've lost everything and you can say this, you're saying it with everything. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end, he will stand on the earth. And we know how the story ends, right? As James says, with God's compassion and mercy. God, God restored to Job everything he lost and so much more. But then James goes on to mention the prophets and the waiting and suffering they had to endure. And I was thinking of just a few of those examples. I was thinking about Isaiah and how Isaiah addressed the kingdom of Judah for 40 years in the midst of a Syrian threat. And Jeremiah kind of does the same thing, but he does so in the midst of rejection and in the midst of conspiracy to kill him. Jeremiah's put in stocks, he's put in prison, he's lowered into a dungeon. I was thinking about Amos, the minor prophet Amos, and how he is accused of treason and he's banished because he wants justice for the oppressed. The nerve, right? The nerve, Amos. And then Habakkuk. Habakkuk was one, when you read the book of Habakkuk, you, you feel the, the hard, devastating feelings that Habakkuk feels. He felt like he was waiting and waiting on God and nothing was happening. And I wonder if Habakkuk wondered, maybe God is absent because evil and wickedness seems to have the last word. Where is God? Will there be a victory? Or is this just going to be a, an endless season of relentless waiting? But one of the most comforting passages to me in all of the Old Testament and the Minor Prophets is Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19, when Habakkuk declares, though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food. There's that farming again, that farming reference. Though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior, because the sovereign Lord is my strength. You get what he's saying, right? There's nothing. There's nothing. Even though there is nothing, I will rejoice and be joyful in God, my Savior, because he is my strength. Sorry, I had to lay a lot of that out for you this morning, and it's taken me a little bit of time. But, but listen, I just wonder... I wonder this morning, how is it that someone like Habakkuk, who seems to be waiting on God for what feels like an eternity, how is it that, that Job can endure all the things he endured and he and Habakkuk can still wait on the Lord with such hopefulness and faithfulness? How is it possible? I wonder if it's as if Adele Calhoun says, she says, God's people learn to wait with God in the present moment because that is the only place God is found. The past with its regrets is irretrievably gone. The future with its what-ifs out out, is out of our control, but now, right now, it is possible to be with God. In other words, what's done is done. What is to come will come. 
We don't have control. But God is faithful. God is just. God is compassionate. God is merciful. God is present in your waiting. God is worth waiting on and he is worth waiting for. His presence carries us through the waiting. The question I have for us is, do we make enough space for the waiting? Do we lean into the tensions of the waiting? Or do we rush past it, refusing to be still and missing significant holy formation that happens in the process? Church, what if... What if waiting doesn't mean you've done something wrong and God is punishing you? What if waiting doesn't mean God hasn't heard you? What if waiting doesn't mean that God has forgotten you or he's ignoring you? What if waiting doesn't mean you're wasting your time? What if waiting is an invitation to wait with God who is very much present in the waiting and forming us in the process and faithfully working for our good. I want to ask you this morning to, to just contemplate, think about this. What is it that you are waiting for this morning? Can you name something in your mind? Is there a burden on your heart? Does something immediately come to mind that you've been waiting for? Maybe for a really, really long time? What is it that you're waiting for this morning? I want to invite you to just pause. Take a moment and pause. And I just want to ask, would you receive the truth this morning that God is in the waiting and there is maybe, just maybe, more happening than just waiting. Maybe, just maybe, your waiting is purposeful and formation is happening. So friends, will you wait on the Lord this morning? Will you wait on him? The reason this felt kind of heavy for me is because I feel like I have a lot of people in my life right now who are in hard seasons. And some of those people, sometimes, some of them are here in this community, but some are back in Arkansas, and dear, dear friends. And there are some who are just in a, a painful season of waiting. And things don't look hopeful. And then those same friends are dealing with a devastating, life-altering diagnosis this week. And I was just thinking of, of all these people in my life that are just going through really difficult things. And a lot of them are just stuck in this season of waiting. This painful waiting and maybe even silent waiting. As God seems to be in no hurry at all. And as I was typing the words to the sermon, these not so cheery feeling words. As I was typing the words to the sermon, hoping that God was was you know, hopefully these were his words for his people. And this song came on as I was listening to Apple Music. I've never heard this song in my life. And the song was called Speak to the Silence. And the words go, 
speak to the silence of my heart. Speak to the silence of my heart. I will wait for you. I will wait for you. I will wait for you to come. Lord, won't you come? 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 I will wait for you. I will wait for you. I will wait for you to come. And my prayer this morning is that in the silence and in the waiting, that God would speak to you and that you would faithfully, patiently wait on him, knowing that he is present and he is faithfully forming and working for your good. And so the praise team, as they come back up this morning, we're going to sing another song that was so perfectly fitted for this message. As Nikki shared with me the song that we were going to end with today, not really knowing the direction of this sermon, I thought, okay, Lord, I see you. I hear you. Because this song speaks to this tension that we live in and the fact that things in life just aren't always resolved. This song is, is a rendition on the classic hymn, It Is Well. And some of the words of the song, I just want you to soak, these, soak in these words this morning. Some of the words are, far be it from me to not believe, even when my eyes can't see. And this mountain that's in front of me will be thrown into the midst of the sea. And through it all, my eyes are on you. And through it all, it is well. Friends, we experience pain and suffering and waiting in this life. But James urges us to be patient. Because I think James knows that formation happens in the waiting. And that God is present and faithful and working for our good in the waiting. So would you just pause this morning and open yourself up to the Lord as he speaks to you in your waiting. Amen.
who are looking for your strength to say it as well. God, I pray that you would give us strength so that it would be so with us. God, we, we recognize and we are reminded that the waiting, the tension in the waiting is hard, God. And sometimes it goes on for a painfully long time. And sometimes we are tempted to believe in those moments that you are gone, that, that you're not working, that you're not moving. But God, time and time again, we are reminded of your faithfulness, even when we couldn't see it. And God, I, I know that this morning there are people that are just looking, they're grasping for signs of your faithfulness. And so, God, I pray that you would draw near to them and remind them that you are present in the waiting, that you are faithful, that you are good. And when all else fails, may we still be able to stand 
or even falling to our knees, may we be able to still say, it is well with my soul. God, we will wait on you. We will wait on the Lord. Because those who wait on the Lord, they are given strength. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. For God is within them. So we wait. And we thank you, God, for your presence and your faithfulness in the waiting. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. You may be seated. I just want to make sure that everybody, as we prepare to receive communion this morning, that everybody was able to get their communion cups. Is there anyone that needs those? Just slip up your hand, and we'll make sure that you get one. So in verse 7 of the passage that we read today, when James says that the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, that word wait that James uses is the Greek word that I'm not even going to try to pronounce, but that word means expect. So James talks about a farmer who waits, but one who waits expectantly. One who waits with great expectation. And so as we prepare this morning, as we gather around this communion table, what a beautiful reminder. And could it, it couldn't be more appropriate, this reminder that you and I too, we wait expectantly. We wait expectantly for the Lord who is coming again. And as we participate in this, what we call a means of grace... Our prayer is that while, yes, we might be in a long season of waiting, but we wait expectantly. We wait patiently knowing that there is still work to be done in the waiting, but that the Lord draws near to us when we draw near to him. So God, I just pray that you would bless this bread and this cup. And I pray, Lord, that through this means of grace that we would once again draw near to you and that you would draw near to us, filling us with your strength, God. Lord, we believe that you are present in this moment, giving us what we need to go back out into the world and to be who you've called us to be, those who wait on the Lord, but we wait expectantly. May it be so with us in Jesus' name. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took some bread at supper and he broke it. And he gave it to the disciples and he said, take this and eat. This is my body that was broken for you. And so friends, may we take and eat and be thankful this morning. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said to them, take and drink. This is my blood that is poured out to you for the forgiveness of your sins. Take and drink this morning and be thankful.
And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I have one last little challenge for you before we leave this morning. I don't always give these because they just don't always come to me, and and sometimes it's harder to think about what this looks like. But this week, it, it just was so clear to me that I want to challenge you to make it a point to practice waiting this week because I, I, I'm just confident that I'm not the only one that doesn't like waiting. And I'm just confident that there are other people out there who also grow impatient quickly. And so I want to I wanna challenge you this week to make it a point to practice waiting. And we're going to really what we're doing is we're waiting on the Lord. We're waiting for those things that, that are not yet seen. But I want you to practice that in everyday ways. So for instance... I want you to refrain from interrupting in a conversation. I want you to take a moment. You don't have to do all these. You can just pick one. But I want you to uh, take a moment and drive in the slow lane. That is so hard for me. <laughs> it is, well, the slow lane's over here, but that's really hard for me. But drive in the slow lane. Take that and drive in the slow lane and patiently wait and make that a reminder to wait on the Lord. I, I want to challenge you, some of you, Write a letter to someone and send it the old-fashioned way. Put it in the mail. And they may have to wait a little bit longer than usual because that's just, <laughs> we're in that season right now. Eat your food slowly. Take the time to do a project well. Don't cut corners. Whatever it is, I want to challenge you this week to just wait and to remind yourself of the waiting that we are in but the faithfulness of God that is in that waiting because God is not finished yet. Amen? Amen. All right, let me share with you a few quick announcements before we leave this morning. Um, we're getting close to the end of, of collecting socks for the Operation Christmas Child boxes, and you guys know I feel like I've just kind of, we've talked about that till we're blue in the face, but that's still going on. If you haven't had a chance to participate in that, and if you're available Monday, November 15th at noon, they're going to be packing those boxes here at the church. That's the homeschool group that meets here every week in our building. Um, we, we shared with you last week that through the month of November, we're going to be collecting $25 gift cards, but last week I didn't really specify because I didn't, I, I, I don't know why, but it's restaurant gift cards, okay? So we're collecting $25 restaurant gift cards for uh, the Restore annual Christmas party, and our goal is 55 gift cards, and I think that we're going to smash that goal, okay? I think we will because you guys do that all the time. So, so $55, $25 restaurant gift cards. Um, it's, this, it's the month of November. And so for Nazarenes, the month of November is a time where, where we um, invite others to participate in the World Evangelism Fund. And so every year, the Nazarene Church will take what they call a thanks offering. Um, and so I just want to remind you of that, that we'll take that on Sunday, November 21st. And then also on Sunday, November 21st, is decorating the church for Christmas. So anyone that's available to come at 530 uh, will be decorating the church, getting ready for the season of Advent. And then finally, um, the office will be closed this week on Thursday um, in recognition of Veterans Day. And along with that, we have a quick uh, video to share this morning.
I truly do want to um, sincerely thank all of you, all the veterans we have in our church and those who are watching online. Uh, we thank you for your dedication, for your service. Thank you to the families of those uh, who have served. And we just so we are humbled um, by your dedication and your willingness to serve. So thank you. And so this morning, I want to invite you to stand. And brothers and sisters in Christ, I pray that you would go in the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May you go and wait on him expectantly this week, and may you sense his presence in your life. Go, you are dismissed. Have a great day.